You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Nehemiah chapter 8. want to be an encouragement. Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to end up reading the entire chapter throughout the message, but we are just going to read the last sentence of verse 17 for introductory purposes. Before we read Nehemiah 8 and that last sentence of verse 17. I want to quote to you Psalm 100, verse 2, the very first sentence of verse 2 simply says, serve the Lord with gladness. My question is, how do you do that? How do you serve the Lord with gladness? And I'm going to preach tonight on the glad recipe. What we're going to find in Nehemiah 8 is what I will call the glad recipe. There's a lot of different places I can take you in Scripture that share this same recipe. And I was tempted to go to all of them, but we're just going to stay here. But Maybe I'll mention a couple of them. It's the same recipe that leads to what we read at the end of verse 17, that last sentence. Let's read it together, shall we? Ready, begin. And there was very great gladness. We can do better than that. And there was very great gladness. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. How many of you have a family recipe that just works every single time? My mom got a bulgogi recipe from grandma, from my grandma Che, and it works every single time. There are some recipes that are difficult to duplicate. Baking, I've tried baking a couple different times. It never works for me. But there are some recipes, go-to recipes, that sometimes you crave them because they work every single time. Some of you are shaking your head and I'm making you hungry already. I, I know it, I know it. But this is a recipe that works. I'm telling you, it works. We're just gonna go through the chapter and I wanna bring forward, because we see at the end, it, it ends with them in very great Gladness. The Bible doesn't mince words, remember? It says not just gladness, it says not just great gladness, but very great gladness. And if you are here and you are not happy at the moment, you are not glad at the moment, it is because somewhere along this you are missing a part of the recipe. I guarantee you, I promise you, if you follow this, the same recipe, you will be glad. I'm not saying all your problems are going to go away but you will be glad. Verse number one. All the people gathered themselves together as one man. Are we familiar with what's going on in the, in the history right now? Um, the captivity is over, and Ezra has come back. The, the book before Ezra came back with Zerubbabel and Joshua, and they have begun to rebuild. Well, the temple is rebuilt by this time, but the walls are not Rebuilt. They, well, they are just now getting rebuilt under uh, Nehemiah, but this is post-captivity. 
And I want you to see what the people do here. All the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Step number one in the recipe for gladness, the glad recipe. Number one, they desired God's word. All of this has things to do with God's word. But first of all, they desired God's word. Some of you, just when I was talking about that recipe, you started desiring food. You know, comfort food, comfort food, I define comfort food as when only that meal will do. It cannot be classified as comfort food unless there are some times where you say, that is, that is all that I want. Only that meal will do. Tacos are comfort food. There are sometimes only tacos will do. Chicken wings are that way for me. Comfort food, mac and cheese, mozzarella sticks, pizza. There we go. There we go. Only that food will do. Have you ever been in the mood for only, only one thing? You had one meal on your mind. And somebody could come up and say, I'll give you a, perfect, a perfectly cooked filet mignon. And you say, nope, absolutely not. I don't want it. I want this. Or sometimes you've been maybe exercising or you've been out or you've been away from, from water and, and you start thinking about water, you start thirsting after it, only that will do. Somebody could come up to you and say, I have coffee and you say, no. Or someone can come up and say, I have soda and you say, no, I want water. Sometimes there, you could apply this in a lot of different ways. Sometimes there has been one specific person that I've wanted to talk to. Maybe I needed some advice or maybe I just wanted some companionship and there was something, some specific person that I wanted to talk to. And somebody else could come up and say, well, I'll talk to you. No offense against you. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to you, this person and this person specifically. And what we have here are these people feeling that way towards God's word? Nothing else is going to do. We need to hear what God has to say, because you need to remember, these people have just come through a 70-year captivity. Before they went to the 70-year captivity, there were years and years and years and years where they pursued everything else other than God's word, and they got it. They pursued riches and they got riches. They pursued religion and they got religion. They pursued sexuality and they got sexuality. They pursued fornication and they got fornication. They pursued houses and lands and they got houses and lands. They pursued uh, uh, alliances with other nations and they got alliances with other nations. Before they went into captivity, Amos came up because the, the people were telling Amos, we don't want to hear your prophecies anymore. Go and prophesy somewhere else, but don't prophesy here. And Amos gave a warning and he said, one day, because you are telling the true prophets to be quiet, one day there's going to be a famine in this land, not a famine of food and water, but a famine of hearing of the words of the Lord. And when that day comes, your young people especially, that's a completely different message entirely, but when an older generation says, we don't want to hear what God has to say, nobody suffers more than the younger generation. He says, one day the younger generation is going to search high and low, to and fro for God's word, and they're not going to find it. And that's exactly what these people had gone through. They knew what it was like to have money in the bank, but no God's word. They knew what it was like to have companionship, but no companionship with God. They knew what it was like to have friendship, but no word from God. And they got to the point, we don't need anything else. We need to hear from God. They desired God's word. Ezra, please. Please read it to us. They were like Job when Job said, I have esteemed his word more than my necessary food. 
They were like other portions of scripture in, in Psalms, I think. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, like a honeycomb to me. That's what David says in Psalms. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. The first step that I see on the road to gladness is that we, we need to hear what God says. Now, we can't stop there. Even James tells us, don't, be, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So we need to take the next step. Look in verse 2. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. That's at least six hours. Before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him, it lists a bunch of people who are standing beside him. And Ezra, verse 5, opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. It reminds me of when we started designing this platform. And I told the architect, it's going to be three feet tall. Uh, three feet tall. And he's like, why are you going to have it that high? Because I want to be above the people. He's like, you're going to be looking down on people. I'm like, good, yeah. It's not, I'm not used to that. So anyways, but it's biblical. It's biblical. When he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. We have another list of people here and the Levites, and what they start doing is they start going throughout the, the congregation and asking people, do you understand what he's reading? Do you understand what this means? Do you understand what this means? So Ezra is up reading, and then there's a contingent of people going throughout the crowd. Look at this. Caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. First of all, they desired God's word. Second of all, they studied God's word. Jeremy, can you do me a favor? Could you come up to this seat? right here, just as quickly as possible. Perfect. Have a seat right there. I was going to use my wife, but she's in nursery today. Just have a seat right there. So they desired God's word, but then they studied God's word. There's a difference between studying God. In order to study something, it takes time. And you see that in verse three, from morning until midday, it took time Imagine if I come up to Jeremy and I say, Jeremy, I desire to get to know you, okay? I want to know you. I want to know more, more about you. I, I want to not only be friends, but I want, to, I want you to be my mentor, okay? I want you to be my guiding hand throughout life. So let's get to know each other, cool? So I'm going to ask you questions and you, you answer, okay? So what's your, what's your full name? Uh, Jeremy Jacob Carreal. Okay, I'm done with this. Thank you. Go ahead. Have a seat. A lot, a lot of times, see, that, that makes no sense. That makes no, when, when I first met Miss Tracy, thank you, Jeremy, by the way. When I first met with Miss Tracy and I desired to get to know her, I took time with her. And what I'm telling you is I run into a lot of people who desire to hear what God wants to say. And then as soon as God starts speaking, suddenly they, suddenly they lose interest. You want to hear what God wants you to do. You want God's direction for your marriage. You want God's direction for your church. You want God's direction for your ministry. You want God's direction for your life. And you read a chapter a day. You don't desire to hear. 
what he's saying. Now, don't get quiet on me. It's, it's true. If I'm going to desire to get to know my wife, I'm going to have to talk to her more than one question a day. I'm going to have to give her more time to speak and me time to speak to her. If I'm going to get to know Jeremy and not only know Jeremy, but know Jeremy for a purpose so that I can get to trust Jeremy and Jeremy can get to trust me and know me so that he can lead me and guide me, it's going to take more than one question. And the people desired for God to speak, so they gave him time to speak. If you don't give God time to speak, you'll never be glad. If you don't desire to hear God's word, you'll never be glad. If you don't give him time to speak, you will never be glad. Uh, this is a Wednesday night crowd. You, you guys know, you guys know, there were some times in your past where you only came Sunday morning. And it wasn't enough. But as you give God more time to speak, it helps. It takes time and it takes effort. Do you understand what you're reading? Are you thinking about it? Notice, notice the Bible says that the people stood attentive for six hours. They stood in their place attentive. And if they didn't know, they didn't say, oh, well, whatever. They asked questions. Can somebody, do you remember the Ethiopian eunuch reading in Isaiah chapter 53? A pretty self-explanatory passage. Do you understand what you read? How can I understand except some man explain it to me? And he was a very smart, educated person. It took time and it took effort, but they studied God's word. Now we must not stop there. Verse 9. Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, it's a fancy word for a certain type of leader, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep. And they were telling the people this, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. They desired God's word. They studied God's word. What I'll say is they feared God's word because what they were hearing read was not how they were living. Are you all following tonight? What they were hearing, tonight, what they were hearing was not what they were living and it scared them. It bothered them. It convicted them. And does it bother you when you read in God's word? And sometimes God's word gives you, hey, you're doing that. Good job. And then other times it's, Phew. does it bother you? Does it convict you when the Bible says thou shalt not and thou art? Does it bother you when the Bible says you shall and thou ain't? It should bother you. It bothered these people. We were wrong. And it came out on their countenance. It came out on their face. Now, I'm, I'm very interested in how Ezra and Nehemiah respond to that. They're reading God's word. The people start weeping. The people start crying. They're sorrowful and they're grieved. The word grief is tied to, to death. And what they're saying, what they're coming to the realization is we could have avoided all of our heartbreak. You read in the Psalms that when, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon came in, the atrocities that they committed, you can read about it in the Bible. In the Bible, there's an inference given that the Babylonian soldiers would come in, grab the woman's babies in front of them by the heels and smack them up against a rock. They watched that. 
before that ever, that came in the last captivity. Before that ever came, they had to see their best and their brightest carried off. And what history tells us is they stripped them naked and marched them across the desert. Nebuchadnezzar's generals had to ask him, would you please clothe them? He was a cruel person. And what they're coming to the conclusion is all of that could have been avoided. All of it from the very beginning was told, if you do this, this will happen. If you obey, there will be blessing. If you disobey, there will be cursing. And they're coming face to face with that reality. And so they cry and they're grieving over the loss that did not need to come. And Ezra and Nehemiah don't come up and say, yeah, yep, mm-hmm, we told you. God told you, you deserve it. They say this, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry, don't be grieved. Don't mourn. This day is holy. Now, I'm gonna try to explain this to you using some illustrations of times where I've counseled people. One time there, there was a time where I was counseling a, a young man and the mom and dad because the young man got caught in sin. And the young man had been messing around in sin for, for years, years hiding the sin. And it finally came out. And I'm meeting with them in my office. And when I'm talking to the young man and I'm talking to the mom and the dad, this is what your son has done. This is how long it's been going on. This is how we found out about it. What do mom and dad do? They weep. They cry. But then they look back at me and say, how do we fix this? Well, this is what we need to do. This is the steps that need to be taken. This is what God's word says, and this and this and this. And they keep crying, and they keep crying, and they keep crying. Now, I, I understand there's things to cry about. But what I told them was, wait a second. We have spent the past two years... You're, your family has spent the last two years completely ignorant to sin that was going on. And we were laughing, we were joking, we were happy just because we didn't know. But now we know and we're weeping. I understand that it's something to weep about, but why don't we be happy that God revealed it and God not only revealed it, but he also gave us instructions on how to get it better. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid we spend, we spend time while the devil's having his day in happiness and joy. But then once God steps in and says, no more of that, and God has his day and says, guess what? My word is going to prevail. No more sin. I'm going to step in, reveal it so it can be fixed. We spend God's day crying. Now, when God reveals his word and when God reveals sin, it is certainly to rebuke us for past sin. And I'm not saying don't feel sorry for that. Don't feel conviction for that. And what they're saying is, no, don't cry. Don't cry. Not one tear. They're saying, don't cry anymore. Get it out of your system and move on. When God speaks to you, it is not so that we can constantly look back at what we did wrong. It's so that we can look forward on how to do it right. So they desired God's word. They studied God's word. They feared God's word which is great. But then Ezra and Nehemiah come up and say, why don't we appreciate God's word? Why don't we appreciate the fact, see, if God was done with you because of the sin of your yesterday, he would not be telling you how to get right today. If God was done with you 
about because of your sin of yesterday, he would not be speaking to you about how to get right today. And he certainly not would, would not be instructing you on how to stay right tomorrow. If God is speaking to you today and instructing you for tomorrow, that means your yesterday is not your everything. So why don't you appreciate that God has spoken to you? This day is holy three times. It says it in uh, verse 10 through verse 12. Uh, I'm sorry, um, 9 through 11. This day is holy. This day is holy for the day is holy. Hold your peace. The day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. To say something is holy means this belongs to God. They're saying the devil had his day. The devil had his day. And he had his way. Now God's going to have his day. Let's not spend it in tears. We've cried, we've understood that what we did was wrong. Now let's move forward. Now let's move on. And let's appreciate that the God of heaven is merciful enough and gracious enough to speak to us. Are we making sense? Making sense. Next, the last one that I see, verse 13. On the second day, we're gathered together, uh, the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, and, the, and Ezra to scri- uh, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. Look in verse 2, at the end of verse 2. What month is it? It's the seventh month. And they're reading, hey, you're supposed to keep this feast and this is how you're supposed to keep it right now. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the street of the water gate, and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths, and sat under booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done... What? That's the first generation after the law. Guys, this is one of the feasts that you're going to do. In the seventh month, for a week, you're going to make booths and you're going to camp out to remember the journey that you took in the wilderness. To remember that you are sojourners, you are still sojourners in this land. This promised land is not home. There's another promised land. There's another country, a heavenly country, and I want you to remember. And they said, yes, sir. And they did it once. They're supposed to do it every seventh month. They did it once. Oh, and by the way, they lived in the promised land for 490 years. So they did it again. They did it again. They desired God's word. Lord, please speak to us. We have lived our lives with everything else this world has to offer, but not hearing you speak. We don't want to live that way anymore. We've got to have you. Please speak to us. Okay, are you willing to put in the time and effort? Yes, we are. We will stand as long as it takes, and we'll assign people to go through. Do you understand? Not just what it says, but what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Don't just read your... Time without effort means nothing. Did you study for your test? Oh, I studied for two hours. Did you read anything? No. 
Did you write anything down? No. Did you highlight anything? No. Did you write anything on a three by five card? No. Then you didn't study. I don't care that you spent two hours, three hours, four hours, four days. You didn't write anything down. You didn't study. Are you willing to put in the time and effort to find out what God's word means? Yes, we are. When they came to the understanding, there were some times, there were some places where their life did not match what God's word said. It bothered them. And so it should bother you. But then let it let it bring out thankfulness and gratitude that the Lord isn't done with you, that he's still speaking to you and giving you direction. And now that he's giving you direction, do it. Do it. He's given you a chance to change. What's the point of having a chance to change if you ain't going to change? Ezra just a little while said, Lord, you, just a little while before said, Lord, you've given us a little space of grace. For a little space, grace has been given, given to us. And if you read the context, he's saying we're wasting it. We're wasting it. Don't let us waste it. If the Lord is going to convict you and speak to you, it's not so that you can spend your life in sorrow because of what you did yesterday. It's so that you can get back up today and live for him tomorrow. And what I want to show you is that they, they desired, they studied, they feared, they appreciated, and they obeyed. They obeyed. And they obeyed willingly. It's... It's not convenient to people who already have a house to live in and they have families to go into the wood and cut down trees and make a lean-to. It's not convenient. It's hot. It's windy. It's sandy out in the desert. And, and it's, it's not very wooded over there. Have you ever been over there? Never been over there, but there's not a lot of forest over there. You've got to go, go search it. But they did it willingly. They did it wholly. They did it entirely. They did not just do part, well, we'll do this, but we won't do that. They did all of it, and they did it willingly, and they did it immediately. Well, we'll do it next year. It'll give us some more time to prepare. Nope. He said the seventh month. It's the seventh month. Let's get it done. I really don't like, I really don't like when people get, when people get confronted with God's word, this is what you need to be doing. And, oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I'll do it later. You'll never be glad. You'll never be glad. It's when they desired, studied, feared, appreciated, and obeyed. There was great gladness. Those women were happy. Not because they were living in Beverly Hills with air conditioning. They're sitting underneath a booth for a week. For a week. Read the end of the chapter. They did it for a week. And women are built differently today than they were back then. There's a, my, my wife likes to think that she's a country girl. She's not a country girl. I have taken her to some country places and she walks, oh, it's so quaint and it's so beautiful. And then she realizes it's well water or she realizes that the Wi-Fi isn't very, very fast and the hot, sh hot shower isn't too hot. And she goes, when are we going home? Okay, w women... But those women were happy, not because they had the luxuries of life. Those men were happy, not because they had a full bank account. Those kids were happy, not because they had the latest technology. They were happy because they obeyed. And here's what I see. Here's what I see in my church right now. Understanding it's the Lord's church, but I, I feel pleased to say that the Lord has called me to be the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church because here's what I see right now. I see people that are happy. Not because you have no problems, 
not because you have millions of dollars. If you do, I don't know about it. Not because that you, you have the newest car or you have the newest this and you have the newest that. I see people who are happy. I talked to Brother Corbin Jenkins the other day. Is he here? Is he here? He might be working. Talk to Brother Corbin. Where's he? No, no, no. Oh, there's Miss Bethany. Okay. But you know, I talked to him on Sunday after the morning service, and he's, he's grinning ear to ear. Preacher Gomez would say he was grinning like a mule eating saw briars. I have no idea what that means. Brother Dustin, any, any idea what that means? No? Is Brother Dustin over there? I'm not wearing my, my glasses, so never mind. I'll ask Brother Dustin what in the world it means. But he's grinning from ear to ear. You know why? Because he learned here, you need to put, you need to put the Lord first, and you need to go soul winning. And so he starts going soul winning, and he starts going soul winning more and more. He led his first person to the Lord on Saturday, and he's gritting ear to ear. And, here, and here's how it happened. He's, he's walking through with, with was, was it you, Brother Dusty? He's walking with Brother Dusty, and he says, I see a guy pass by, and I didn't talk to him. And he started coming right back again. After we were all done knocking, we were all done knocking, he said, I went to him, and I talked to him about eternal life. And the man looked back at me and said, Eternal life sounds really good right now. And Brother Corbin and I joke, the first, the first time you lead someone to the Lord and you're going through, you know, there's, you're a sinner and there's a penalty for sin and Jesus died to pay that penalty and he invites you to be saved today. Would you like to be saved? And they say, yes. Your first response is like, really? <laughs> he was so happy. I see people who are happy. I had people come up to me on Sunday. Pastor, my guest came. And they're smiling they're happy, they're joyful. There was great gladness here on Sunday. There's great gladness. And some, some of you, you're, you're not glad right now. Where are, what are you missing? What are you, I guarantee you're missing something here. When's the last time you truly desired for God to speak to you? And you gave him the time and the effort to speak to you. Well, I'm so busy. Then you're too busy to be glad. And when's the last time God's word smote you and you said, oh, man. But then you were appreciative that the Holy Spirit of God would reach down to somebody so low and whisper in your ear how to get it right? My goodness. The Lord doesn't have to speak to me, let alone speak to me to make my day better. If the Lord's going to speak to me, all I deserve is burn. Burn. That's all I deserve. You put my son on the cross. Burn. And yet he says, I've seen what you've done. Let me tell you how to make it better. And then we look back and say, no. You'll never be glad. But, but, if you follow this recipe, you will bake the best glad cake you have ever had in your life. You will, you will make the best glad tacos you've ever had in your life. If you just follow these, this recipe right here. You see the recipe followed again when David is told by the Lord, I want you to start preparing for the temple. And so he does. They start getting things out and they start doing the right things. And the Bible says they offered it willingly. And when they did it willingly and they did it wholly and they did it immediately, the people were overjoyed. You see this recipe again when Solomon starts dedicating the temple. The people were overjoyed. You see this again as they continue in the work and Sheba shows up and she says, I see the ascent that you make up to the temple. I see your people. I see the riches that you have. But one of the things... Beyond all the riches, beyond, she says one thing, your people are happy. 
Why are your people so happy? Your servants are happy. Your people are happy. And it's because they followed this recipe. I'm telling you, if you do it, follow, the, follow what the Lord says about faithfulness, about your marriage, about family, about standards, about giving, about being kind to other people. Follow it, follow it, follow it, follow it, follow it, and you will be glad. I promise you, you will be glad. And I want our church to continue being a glad church. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's not add any more on our plate because of disobedience. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.